So we're in our fourth week of the Armor of God series, and we have discussed several pieces of armor. And so we're going to shift focus a little bit to the feet this morning. But I want to mention this. I don't know where you're coming from, and I don't know what circumstances are taking place in your life. But I know this, that the devil, our enemy, wants to steal and kill and destroy your life. He wants to stir up discord. He wants to stir up division. He wants to disrupt not only your relationships with other people, but actually within you. And anything he can do to play on your mind and prey on your emotions, that's what he's interested in doing. He uses every opportunity available to upset you and your sense of peace and security and stability. I'd say this, the enemy wants you to live in a state of turmoil. Like he wants you to live in a constant state of turmoil. Because when we are living in that, we become ineffective. He wants you to feel uneasy. He wants you to feel anxious. He wants you to be worrying all the time. And here's what we do so often. We just sit in that. And we live in that. And it begins to take over our life and becomes incapacitating. So he does this by attacking primarily our relationships with other people, with God. He just, and little things happen and then our mind starts to play tricks on us. So he he attacks our relationships with not only God, but also with other people. So mark this down. Whenever you are feeling unrest or distressed, It's very likely that the devil is at work somewhere. Now, let me just say this as a parenthesis. I hate talking about him. I don't want to give him any stage time. That's the honest truth. Even in my prayer time with God, I don't even like talking about stuff like that out loud because I don't want him to hear. He can't read my mind, right? So, so I can say some things just to God and he and I understand it. But then, but then like when I give him stage time like this, I don't want to give him any more credit than he deserves. Because he is a defeated foe. You understand? Like he's already lost. God has won. It's already recorded in the book. We're just kind of living this out for right now. But I do believe this, that he does take instances and between our own ability to contrive and construe what we are feeling and his ability to prey on our minds and hearts and bodies and marriages and relationships. I believe this. That's why Paul said that the next piece of equipment is what we do with our feet. He said this in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 6. He said, in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we're going to talk about this a little bit in a minute. But but please notice he's not saying that your feet should be shod with peace. He's saying your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this has actually become one of the most difficult pieces of equipment to interpret what Paul was trying to say. Because he's not saying that you need to put peace on your feet. He's saying you need to be putting on the preparation of the gospel of peace. And it doesn't really help us. So so, uh, the ESV says this, the English Standard Version says, And as for your, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given 
by the gospel of peace. Does that help any? Uh, a little, okay. It helps kind of figure this out a little bit more. But what was interesting to me as I'm studying through this, the differences of opinion about what was Paul trying to say here. And we're going to get into that just a little bit. But I think it's interesting to note that it's, it's not just that we should put on peace like it's something that we need to get a hold of. The idea is that we need to be preparing and becoming ready because of the peace that we have. Anyway, we'll get into that in just a minute. So after Paul describes the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, he focuses on footwear and what we're supposed to be wearing on our feet. Now, the soldier's shoes that he would have been familiar with were very different than civilian shoes. Like civilians would wear these soft leather shoes, sometimes made out of one piece of leather with one seam, or they would wear slippers inside the house, very comfortable. But the soldier, on the other hand, would wear something on his feet that was kind of the cross between a sandal and a boot. Now, not those cowboy sandals that are made into flip-flops. Have you seen those? They're horrible. They take, they take cowboy boots and they cut out the leather and make them into flip-flops, but they still have the shaft that go up the leg. It looks horrible. As bad as you can picture it, it's worse than that. That's not what we're talking about here. But you have the sandal, and then the, the, actually what, what, went up the, what went up the shin was actually called the greave, G-R-E-A-V-E, the greaves. And so the greaves would protect the shins, sometimes made out of hard-studded leather, sometimes made out of some type of metal like brass or, or whatever. And then it would go into what was on your shoe. And the, the incredible thing, you think of sandals like flip-flops or riverboat shoes uh, or what I call like, you know, Jesus sandals, the Birkenstocks, right? So you picture that as what there were, but that's not at all what it was. It was made up of this interwoven leather that was completely adjustable and customizable to the wearer. Like if there was an area where the leather was pinching, they could adjust that or take that out. And so what's, what I love about that picture is that, is that the peace that I experience is not necessarily the same kind of peace that you experience. Like the peace from God, the peace that I live in, doesn't have to be the same as what everybody else is experiencing. And then they would put, they would fasten everything with these things called hobnails. And they had hobnails on the bottom of the foot. And the hobnails had three purposes. First of all, it gave really good grip. Uh, when they were trying to stand firm or walk on different types of terrain, it would also, the hobnails uh, would actually reinforce the shoe and make it a lot stronger. And it was also a good offensive tool. Like they, they could actually use the, the nails to be able to kick and, you know, whatever. I, I never thought about soldiers kicking, but I guess they did that too. Um, but that's, that's what the hobnails were for. Now, interestingly, the first thing that we see here Paul saying is that our feet are supposed to be shod. And that's an old English terminology that basically says we're supposed to bind them on. And again, I'm reminded of the fact that Paul is instructing us that when it comes to all of this armor, it's our job to put our shoes on. It is a responsibility as a soldier to put your shoes on. We said that when you put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, that's on you. That's up to you to make that happen for the benefit of wearing it. The same way with the shoes. Having your feet shod is your responsibility. But what are these shoes for? What is the significance here? Why is this such a big deal? I came up with a couple things here. The first thing is, is that these shoes provide protection. 
And, and it's not hard to understand that shoes protect you as you're walking, but here's something that maybe you weren't aware of. One of the practices that uh, soldiers would use back in the day, if they were able to get to a battlefield early or they were trying to protect a city or an encampment, they would take sharp sticks and they would sharpen them up and they would bury them just underneath the surface of the ground to where as an, as an approaching enemy was coming, that approaching enemy would be stepping on these sharp sticks just under the surface that weren't seen and would catch them off guard and become potentially debilitating because if you can't walk, then you can't fight. So here's the, here's the truth there, that you can only go as far as your feet will take you, right? And how many times are we caught off guard by an attack that we didn't even see coming or something that's just under the surface? Like, have you ever done that? Like, why did that affect me like that? Like, why? Really, when you look at what that person just said to me, it's not that big a deal, but it seems to have had a much bigger impact because it was right under the surface. It was hidden. You weren't expecting that, but it was there all along. And there's that attack. And so that's where having our feet prepared is so important because they provide protection. The second thing they do here is they produce stability. They create sure footing. Because the truth of the matter is, you never know what kind of terrain you're going to be walking on. Bad news from the doctor, a hurtful text from a friend, the loss of a job, an extra bill. We don't know what we're going to be experiencing today that we weren't anticipating. And when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, then we're able to have a firm foundation upon which to stand and we have stability. Because here is, here's a statement, it's not even in your notes, but peace is an amazing stabilizer. And just think about that. When you are living in peace and you have peace with God, when you have peace in your life, it's hard to ruffle you. But when you don't have that peace, doesn't it just debilitate you? Doesn't it just wear you out and you become ineffective? Man, it does. So, so for me, because I tend to be a people pleaser, like it, it, it concerns me what people think about me. And that's not one of my favorite characteristics, by the way. It's, it's, it is who I am. And just knowing that about myself helps me. But I know that that's my tendency is to be concerned about what other people think about me, right? So, so I have to overwork in this area a little bit because I can be caught off guard by a simple sentence or a statement or a look, and it really has an effect on me. So we have to protect ourselves from that because you know what I'm saying. Like, like if something like that happens in your life, it can take you all day to get over it. And your effectiveness as an individual, let alone as a, as a follower of Jesus, is kind of extinguished for that period of time until you get back on top side. And so that's why we need to protect that. And, 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 and having this peace and being prepared for that is what creates stability because it's so foundational. So this word peace is really interesting, the, the, the peace that he's talking about here, because it's not just like tranquility, although that's part of the definition we'll get to in a minute, but it also has the idea of joining together two things that were separated. So we are now at peace. We're, offering, uh, we're, we're of the same mind. 
But for the believer in his relationship with Christ, it does have to do with tranquility of soul. And that tranquility of soul is because of the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And that we have the assurance that our relationship with God is stable. So these, these shoes, shodding our feet with these shoes produces stability. And let me get into this. So there's two kinds of peace that we're talking about. There's probably more than that. But two kinds of peace. First of all, there's peace with God. And there's the, the, the peace that we get because of what Christ has done for us. We talked about that last week a little bit, the imputed righteousness. Check out what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Christ has done has allowed us to have peace with God. Because there's no way, based on the way that I live and the things that I've done and, the, and, the, and, and what my life is, there's no way that, a, that an incredible, holy, righteous, just God should want to have any kind of relationship with you or even be able to because of his goodness and his justice. But because of what Christ did for me on the cross and paying for my sins, I can stand before God and have the peace in knowing that I am at peace with God. It's an incredible benefit. Ephesians chapter 2 says this in verse 14, I believe it says this, for he is our peace, right? For he is our peace who has made us both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There is something that Christ has done where we were separated and he broke down that middle wall and now we are together. Everything on this earth is unstable. Your job your relationships, not as stable as you think they ought to be. Isn't it amazing? Like my wife and I have been married for 29 years. Just about, right? Like in two weeks. And while I was saying that, my mind was just double checking. So I'm doing the math. Okay, so 29, yeah, last, next year's our 30th. And I think we have an incredible relationship. But it doesn't take one little difference in tone. Right? Like it does like like when I say something and it's just not said the right way, how it can affect our relationship. But like if you were reading it as a text, not a big deal. And sometimes you just shouldn't text. Right? Guys are going, I'm afraid to nod my head right now. But sometimes you just need to pick up the phone. And sometimes that's not even good because they don't see your body language. But it's amazing how just little subtle differences in how we communicate can make such a big difference about how we feel about each other and how we feel about our relationship at that moment. And it's like, wait a minute, we got something really good going on here. How did all of this change? What what just happened? It's because one small little difference, one small different inflection of a word makes all the difference in how that came out. And I'm getting better at recognizing it. I would say I'm I'm about one out of ten right now. Like when it comes out of my mouth, I realize that was not the way I should have said that. And when when I'm on it, that one time out of ten, then I can immediately say, here's what I meant, or... That didn't come out right, or you look beautiful. (laughs) But we live in such unstableness in our lives. 
And our stability should come from the peace that we have in God because he never changes. You know, he, he feels the same way about you today as he did yesterday, and it's good. He not only loves you, he likes you because he's God. He can do that. And he never changes. And here's what's beautiful, right? He wins. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what this has meant for you. And I don't know where, where you are in life, but he wins. And this world is not our home. And so whatever we're going through, whatever relationship issues we're having right now, whatever hardships you're experiencing, this is only temporary. And the stability that we have because we are at peace with God is significant. Not only do we have peace with God, we have the peace of God. We have the peace of God. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is part of a bigger passage where Christ is going home to heaven and he is preparing his followers, his disciples, his friends for his departure. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you somebody who's going to help you through life. Jesus called him the comforter. We know him as the Holy Spirit. So this individual who is part of the Godhead, who is God, dwells inside of us, and he is the peacemaker. He is the peace bringer. He's the Holy Spirit. And we have him in our life so that we can have the peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I love that. To the which also you are called in one body. And then this is really kind of cool how we put this in here. And be you thankful. So how interesting is it that Paul is talking about peace and thankfulness in the same verse? More about that later. And then he writes in Philippians, he says this in verse 7. He says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That sounds like a great promise. So the peace of God, and isn't this great, that passes all understanding, like it doesn't make any sense, can't figure it out. I have peace in the midst of all this turmoil. I have the peace of God that just doesn't make any sense. It passes all understanding. But notice what he said in the verse prior. He says this, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made, to be made known unto God. So before he says that the peace of God that passes on, on understanding will keep your hearts and minds, he says prayer and thanksgiving. So there's like this, this is really important. There's, there's an incredible connection. In order to activate or generate or engage the peace of God, it seems like there's a direct connection with our ability to be grateful and our ability to be thankful and our ability to pray. So I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know where, where you need the peace of God. But if I could give you a how-to in your relationship, I would suggest that you be grateful and thankful because it seems like there's a direct connection between the peace that we feel and the gratitude that we express and the thanksgiving that we have. I'm not saying it's like this, like, you know, tried and true form. It just seems like there's a direct connection here that Paul is telling us. 
that to have the peace of God, be thankful for what you have. To have the peace of God, be grateful. Think about this in a relationship. All right, let's just say with my husband, with, with my husband and wife. I only have one, and that's my wife. In a relationship with a husband and wife, with my wife in particular, you know what creates peace in our relationship? If I express my gratitude, if I express how thankful I am, because it, it, it just does something to your heart. So I wonder, and I'm just like, like spitballing here, like I wonder if that works in my relationship with somebody other than my wife. Like, would it help in my relationship with a coworker? If we're at odds, if I realized there's a lot I can be grateful for here. I wonder if it would help that relationship or, or if I'm thankful or if I pray for them, if that would change. I don't know. I'm just saying, I wonder if that would, would be what Paul is trying to teach us here about the peace of God that doesn't make any sense, that passes all understanding. It's preceded by thankfulness and preceded by gratitude. I think that's an important point to make because life is tough and people are jerks and things don't always turn out the way that we want. But when we have the peace of God that passes all understanding, it becomes a powerful force that's noticeable. So uh, provides protection, it produces stability, and it also affects readiness and I think this is super cool, right? So, so when he said that we are supposed to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, or as the English Standard Version said, the readiness, the idea is that when we have our shoes on, we are now prepared to do what we are supposed to mobilize to do. So this word preparation is the word readiness. It means to make ready like a soldier. It's not, you don't have your slippers on anymore. All right? We're not cashing around the house. We are prepared now to do something. I learned a word this week that just has got me tickled. I probably used it 10 times this week already. It's called the word promptitude. How awesome is that? It's a real word. I didn't make it up. It sounds like one I would make up. But it's promptitude. It's having an attitude of what? Promptness. But it has more to do with your readiness for whatever it is you're about to engage in. So it's a military term. Promptitude means that that soldier is ready. Like his pack is packed. I didn't mean that. His shoes are on. He, he is ready for whatever is about to come at him. So, so when Paul is saying you need to have your feet shod with preparation, with preparedness, with readiness, those feet need to be ready to go do whatever those feet are supposed to go do. So not only are they protected, not only are they stable, but now they're ready to do something. So, so here's, here's the big debate about what this what this particular verse is saying is it saying that we are supposed to stand firm upon the peace of God that we have? Or is it supposed to be saying that these feet are supposed to be ready to share the good news of the peace of God? So as my friend Rob says, maybe it's not either or, maybe it's both and. Could it be that it is saying that we need to stand firm 
in the peace of God that we have and the peace with God that we enjoy, and that creates stability in our life. And maybe it also means that we are supposed to be taking this peace that we have and sharing it with other people. The word that is used for preparation, this is so incredible, it's the the only time this word appears in the whole New Testament. Like when you go to look for another verse that uses this word preparation, it's not there. But if you look at what's called the Septuagint, that is the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's found many places there. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. And a lot of people believe that Paul was actually referring back to this Old Testament passage. I don't know why I had to walk backwards. But he's referring back to this Old Testament passage in Isaiah 52 where Isaiah says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. Here's what he's saying. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That's strange vernacular. That's weird wording to us today. But he goes on to say, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, back then, they didn't really send a lot of letters. They sent messengers. And those messengers would go announcing the birth of a, of a new son to a king or, or some new proclamation. And there was good news that they were spreading. And that's, that's why, like, when they saw a guy coming, that was a messenger. They're like, all right, good news is coming. And they were happy to see that person coming because they knew that good news was coming. And so what Isaiah is saying here is like, man, I like to see that guy coming who's bringing the good news. Wouldn't that be great if that was said of us? Like, I like having this guy around. He is a positive force, or he brings good news with him. He is, he is, a, he is a, uh, a person who, who brings with him just goodness. But it goes beyond that. So these shoes that we're wearing were more than just were designed for more than just digging in with the hobnails. They were designed for advancement or to advance. And so as we are living in this peace that we enjoy, we can't forget about the fact that we are also supposed to be sharing the peace that we enjoy. We are to be publishers of the good news, the gospel, not just good news, not just be a happy person to work, not just be a positive spirit, But the good news that we enjoy, the good news called the gospel, the gospel is the good news of the kingdom. We are to spread the good news of the kingdom, the good news of peace, the good news that Jesus Christ died. And so so here's where we're going. So there's, there's two aspects of this good news of peace because of what Christ did. Because when Christ did, when Christ died, what he did was two things. Not only did he lower that wall of of separation between God and us and united God with sinners because of his justification of the payment of their sin. Not only did all of that happen, but Christ also broke down the separation between races and classes and factions of people. Because, because as one body of Christ, we don't, okay, Paul said there are no Jews and Greeks in Christ. There are no slave and free in Christ. So not only did, did the death of Christ establish or reconnect us with God our Father, but it also allows us the ability to reconnect with each other, regardless of what differences we have. 
And we need to live in that. That's the good news that we're supposed to be sharing. Not just the good news that you can be saved and go to heaven when you die. No, what do you do with it now while you're living here? Let's be about the business of bringing people together, bringing, connecting with God and connecting them with each other. That's what the power of the gospel can do. So Christ came to be our peace. That, is, that kind of peace is noticeable. That kind of peace is profound. That kind of peace speaks loudly, and that kind of peace intimidates the enemy. Those are the shoes that we're supposed to be putting on. And then finally, not only do they affect readiness, but they increase endurance. You just last longer when you got shoes on. Now, I know that there's sort of survival guys out there that just try and, like, build up the calluses on their feet, and they don't wear shoes. That's fine, but their feet are not beautiful. All right, they're pretty nasty looking. And I guess I could live that way, but why would I want to? I like shoes. I feel like I need to be part of Shoes Anonymous. I like shoes, okay? I admit it. I like shoes. They help you last longer. Check out this verse in Romans chapter 8. It says this, and this is the whole, I would really encourage you to read this whole passage here. But it says in verse 31, just this one little portion, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So we have this, this ability to be secure. We have this ability to be protected. We have this, this uh, uh, command, this, 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 these marching orders to be ready to present the gospel, to share the good news. And then we have this ability as we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace to endure because of God before us who can be against us. There was a, a 19th century preacher called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he was just a down-to-earth guy, all right? He was, he was uh, uh, known for not only his eloquence, but the simplicity of what he said and how easy it was to apply. Here's, here's something he said about this passage. He said this. He said, rough roads grow smooth when these blessed gospel sandals are on your feet. And then check this out. A little stone in the shoe will make the pilgrim's progress a very wearisome and painful one. So try to keep out all the stones. That's all I got. Like, I just want to stop right there. I mean, just what is disturbing your peace? What's the rock in your shoe? What is it that you just need to get out? Because it's making you ineffective. You're walk, you, look, you look like an idiot, right? Not like you personally. My Crocs are really bad about that. Somehow with my Crocs, like little stones will fly up and get in the back of my shoe. I have three pairs of Crocs. They all do it. So then you're like, Right? And you don't want to get behind anybody. Like, you don't, want to, you don't want to have to stop. Why is it so much difficult? Why is it so difficult for us to stop and just take the shoe, the, the, the shoe off and take the stone out? But it's like we would just rather keep walking and try and move it around in our shoe to a more comfortable place. Right? Have you ever done that? Like, you're just trying to, maybe you can get it right over here by where the instep is and you're not going to know. Just stop and take the, take the shoe off and take the stone out. But with our relationship with people, it's like we know it's there. Let's just get it out. Let's not continue to walk around with a stone in our shoe. So two aspects 
of, of what this verse, I think, means as far as application to us. First of all is this, that God has given us the peace to live in the freedom because of the relationship that we have with him. Stand firm on that. That's a beautiful thing. That is a great place to live. And then second of all, be a peacemaker in the world that you live in. Share the good news of not only the peace of Christ, but the peace available in Christ as brothers and sisters of Christ. Choose to walk in that peace that doesn't make any sense, that passes all understanding, and then choose to share the good news of this peace with others. That's lacing up the shoes. That's shodding your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's pray. God, we do love you, and thank you for practical truths in the Bible that help us in our relationship with you and help us in our relationship with each other. Help us to live out this peace and help us to share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.